Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. Oh, it's a busy day today. We're getting these podcasts out, flowing and growing, and it's just an honor for me to have so many great people who are willing to spend their time and energy with me and, and share their message and share their story. My guest now today is no exception to that, Dr. David Spencer. Welcome to the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Brother Jake, and it's an honor to be here. You're doing so good with Hunger for the Hustle. Good name. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, um, like I say, it's a pleasure, and uh, I'm just honored that so many people want to come on and, and share their story, and I'll provide this platform to do that. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. Great. Now, Dr. David Spencer, I know uh, your king set mind, kingdom mindset development. That's your thing, right? You're a counselor and a coach. I've been uh, looking and consulting your website, and uh, you've got an interesting story. I really can't wait to share it with the audience today. And to, to, to really encompass that story, David, I, I want to go back to you know the earlier days of your life. I know you dropped out of school at quite a young age, didn't finish school, and at that point didn't have much direction or, or purpose. And uh, perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that time in your life. I know it's the 60s. It was a, a different time to the world, the way the world is now. Right, yeah. Well, it's getting almost the same the way. But, yeah, and, um, yeah sure. I grew up in, in a city called New Bedford. And uh, back in the early 60s, I was just a teenager around 68 or 69. And I never really liked school because I knew what I wanted to do. And I would always have, like, music magazines inside my school book because <laughs> I wanted to play music. <laughs> And they would let, you know, they, they didn't want to emphasize that. And I believe that if you train up a child in the way he should go, he'll be successful, right? And so that was the way I should have been uh, led. But anyway, <clears throat> we moved uh, from, the, from the urban into the sub, suburbs. And, and there, it was a whole different story because now I was maybe two families uh, of color that lived in this town. So wow. when I started going to junior high school, I was already what you would call a thug today, back then in my day. So when I went to Fairhaven, I already had a little reputation at 16 years old, but uh, I started right away running around with the guys who were, you know, in trouble. That's that's what we did and played music. And during the 60s, you know, there was Watergate, there was uh, the Black Panthers, there was the British Invasion, uh, Kent State, uh, uh, you name it. Every, wounded knee, all kinds of things were going on. And so I was just free, you know, I mean, it was just a time of everything was peace and do your thing and free everything. So when I left school, I pursued uh, <clears throat> music and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, fell into that whole thing, <laughs> fell into it, did it all. But uh, at age 32, I decided that uh, my life wasn't going anywhere. I already ha had been married, had a child already. And, uh, you know, played a lot of music, traveled to Europe, all over the place. And I don't read or write music, but my passion and the favor of God on my life opened doors. So wherever I went, I always took a guitar, no matter what, and uh, I would get a gig. So was traveling a lot during my, say, between 16 and 30, uh, traveling and doing even off-Broadway musicals and John Williams and the Boston Pops doing a thing with them, oh, 90,000 people, things like that. And it was good. But... Uh, I still wasn't satisfied. So at 32, 16 years after I left school, I decided that 
I got to go back. I, I was a mess. You know, everything was out of whack. I was actually going to commit suicide. I was just sick of me. And wow. the, I had developed and hurting people because of being a drug dealer and all that stuff. Really mm -hmm. felt down. But anyway, uh, that's when I met Christ, you know. And I said, okay, I'm going to go back to school. So I went to night school, you know, got the GED with a teacher who kept, she kept on me. She kept saying, you can do it, Dave. And I would say, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I like to read and I like history, but this math is, is not working for me. And every time we had class, she'd come by my desk and say, what do you think, Dave? The test is coming up. What do you think? And I kept saying, Miss Morris, you know, it's just, I don't think I can do this, you know. But I'll tell you what, it got to the point where I was so sick of her coming, <laughs> coming and challenging me that I said, I'm just going to do it for her. And whatever happens, happens. So I yeah. did. And I passed everything. <laughs> wow. First time. So that, that was great. But uh, I'll tell you the truth. Want to hear something funny? I'd be taking the test, right, and filling in the blanks. And when I got to something I didn't know, I went like this. God's on the truth. I went, y'all turn. <laughs> and, and then I mocked wherever he told me. <laughs> Passed everything. So uh, life, life, got, life changed after that. Life changed after that for the better. Mm. Yeah, sure did. And uh, Miss Morris, uh, I think it's, it's, it's important. I know something we've been, well, you learned it then. I've only kind of just learned it that, you know, letting someone have belief in you before you have belief in yourself and just, just going with it and putting full faith in them. It, it's a very powerful thing. And, and perhaps, you know, you were doing it to some end just because you were like, I've got to get this lady off my back. I just, <laughs> just got to get these exams, give them a shot uh, and give it a pass. And, and isn't that amazing that, you know, you went from not knowing whether to do it I know at the time you're having a bit of low self-esteem and self-confidence, but letting that person, letting Miss Morris have that faith in you in your past, and then the world started really opening up for you. Yeah. What happened then, uh, I ended up, as a matter of fact, I went to the GED because I wanted to go to Bible school, but you couldn't get in without a high school diploma. So I said, well, I'm right. going to get it because I didn't go there to study to be a pastor or anything. I just wanted to be in a positive atmosphere like we're in now with our coaches, where there's energy yep. and people like-minded so i got accepted and i went to dallas texas and lived there for two and a half years and same thing happened there another teacher a professor i was 35 when i went there everybody else was like 19 20 21 and he took me yeah. up his wing and when i was getting ready to graduate he said dave you know he mentored me he said what are you going to do when you leave here i said i don't know dr axtell i'm just uh I'm going to call my dad, see what's going on back there. And my father said, ain't nothing going on back here. <laughs> 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 stay there. But uh, then Mr. Axtell, Professor Axtell, asked me if he could send my transcripts to another school. And, wow. I, sure. and the other school accepted me. So I ended up getting a Bachelor of Theology, a Master's of Divinity, and then the PhD. Then I started working for the school teaching and training and graduating a lot, maybe a hundred students with a uh, associate's degree. But uh, this is why I'm so much about uh, dropout prevention and mm -hmm. trying to help these young guys and the teachers not to quit, not to get you know, afraid because most of the tough guys, they're really listening. You know, they're really listening. They, they just want to make it look like they ain't listening because they don't want to lose their rep. But you know, they're there and they're really listening. All they need is some love like Mr. Morris gave me. And, you know, after I graduated, I, I went and bought a dozen roses. I had my dissipation, which I did on recidivism because I worked in a lot of prisons. I took a, a copy of that, 
a dozen roses and I took her to a nice seafood restaurant in Cape Cod and thanked her because I feel like crying when I think about it, you know, because she passed away not too long ago. But uh, if it wasn't for her, bro, reaching back and really encouraging me, I wouldn't be here now. And I've been blessed because of, of that education and mm. uh, just in the ministry, I've just excelled in that. So I always knew what I wanted to do since then. And I've spoken in Malaysia and Ghana and Israel and London, a lot of wow. places, oh, Cape yeah. Breton, things like that. And in the schools, as well as the churches, because I want to encourage the teachers and the students, don't quit, don't give up. Don't get, we need each other. And them kids really need the teachers. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing how, um, and look, I'll be honest, this has happened to me in the recent times with the training. I've been through in the Power Voice with, with Les Brown and, and more lately John Salarico in the Thinking Into Results. Sometimes these people come into your life and, and life just changes for you in an instant. In, in the moment, sometimes you don't see it. It took me a couple of weeks or months to realise it, but you look back in just a short time. For you, there, it was, you know, 32 by 35, 36. You had, you'd gone from GHD to PhD and um, just can turn around for you so quickly when you have the right people around you and, and have that bit of guidance and mentorship and, and belief in you. And, uh, yeah, thank goodness, you know, that they did, did come to you at the right time because, like you say, you might not still be here today and you certainly wouldn't be sharing your message like you have all around the world. Mm -hmm. And I knew about Les 30 years ago, a, a right. guy in my church that looks just like Les. I could show you a picture yeah. of him, <laughs> brother. And he told me about Les back in the Amway days and stuff like that. And so I had bought all his cassettes back then right. and printed all the stuff out, you know, about uh, what to say and prospects and all that. But I, at that time, I was so involved in, in uh, building the ministry. You know, I had bought a bar room in the worst part of town and turned it into a church. And uh, so I, I was really focused on, on doing that work and, you know, have accolades from the White House all the way down for what we did in that community. So... Um, you know, when when opportunity came, I said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead with Les because I like Les. You know, mm. I, I like Les. I understand his era. He understands mine. And right. uh, I like the way he he uh, he brings forth the word of God. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt about it. He's, mm. he's just a, he's a spiritual man. He really is. Yeah. He knows knows his Bible. There ain't no joke. I know I can tell because I know my Bible. And when I hear him, I'm like, yes, sir, that's good. That's mm. good. He loves people, you know. He loves yeah. people. Ministry is all about loving and caring for people and bringing them, like with my ministry, uh, kingdom mindset development is to develop the mindset of people with a kingdom attitude, which is a biblical or faith-based attitude, and uh, and then to bring them up, you know, out out of the hole of depression, out of all that weight that's on them, and then bring them uh, out into a new environment, a new mindset, right? And, and bring them there where they're not thinking about the past because everything's new, so they've got to be alert. And then coaching them into their journey. Okay, now let's see where you want to go. So that's kind of how I flow with this ministry. And then John has been such a blessing too. I've, I've enjoyed all of them. You know, I'm with Champion Mindset, I'm with Less Power, and I'm with, with John because I love the energy. I love the people. I love all you guys, man. It's just so much progress and excitement. I, I get excited for right. you all. Yeah. There is. There's a lot of love flying in them groups, and uh, I got a lot of love for you too. You've been inspiring to me. It's just the, the, the 
I've said it several times on this podcast, but I'll say it again because it's true. It, for me, I'm just going to turn this light down a little bit here because it's right in my eyes. For me, it was, um, you know, I started to think, was I going? To, was I a bit crazy? You know, uh, outwardly positive all the time, in, in in always could find a positive out of any situation, and always striving for different things, and had a little bit of a different attitude and thought process towards things. And I started to think. Where are these other people out there that like me? And then I found them within this group and thought, oh, thank goodness, I'm not going crazy. And yeah, it's just uh, brilliant to surround yourself with people that are striving for for goals and and want to achieve things, and and not just for themselves, but are willing to help others as well. Exactly. And pretty much everyone in that space does that, right? Yeah, and being encouraged, you know, and, and being accountable, you know, things like that. I mean, this is just wonderful. I I really enjoy it. But uh, again, like uh, that less. I still go on and just listen because always nuggets coming out of him, always new nuggets. You know, he, to me, brother Les, you know, like what he does, we, you've seen how he can take any story and, and turn it into something totally different, but, but yet yeah. a little more advanced. Well, to me, he's like when uh, uh, John told us to get the Stella Adler book about acting. And, and I said, boy, Les can act. <laughs> <laughs> I say he can take any story and he just absorbs it and then he puts it out like like it was his own. Amazing. But mm -hmm. uh, he's been a big inspiration to me. And, and again, as I reach back into these high schools and juvenile detention centers and even in the prisons and just coach them, because that's basically what I do with them is bring them up and out of their depression in prison. Mainly when, once they're detoxed, they realize, man, I blew it. I messed up. Now wow. they're zero and they're open to talk if they trust you. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta earn that trust when you're there. And so right. yeah, I can be in there with a hundred guys alone and hear a pin drop. I mean, I just love them, they know when you care. And so I'm believing for, matter of fact, I probably got four or five of them in my church. <laughs> they, wow. Yeah, they come. I make them my ushers because nobody mess with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, I'd love to explore that more and talk about that. You know, some of, some of your work in prisons because it's not, it's not something I know much about. I'm, I'm sure probably most of the audience won't know much about either. I mean, how does that actually play out? Do you do you go in there and you have a kind of a set amount of weeks or months that you go on separate visits, or is it just like a one-time thing? Well, what it was is I had put in a grant with some other people to do a, 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 a re-entry program, you know, so when they get out, they can come out right. and hopefully stay out. But mm. that's my dissertation on recidivism because that's the door round and round coming in, going out, coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is uh, I end up getting hired by a, a company there, and uh, he basically let me do what I, I do. Also, you know, I would use a lot of John Maxwell material and, and a lot of programs like that and, and help feed the guys positive things. But he would, uh, I would also teach substance abuse, all that crisis management, parenting, all those things, you know, that come under that umbrella. Uh, uh, and again, once you're, once you're in and you can get used to it, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's so rewarding because you're given to those who can't give back to you. And it's like amazing, the love. I mean, listen, I'll tell you, let me tell you a story. There's this one guy in there, pretty tough cookie, you know, a wise guy. And we we befriended each other. So he was getting out and um, he said he'd go and come by the church. And I said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll be there. So he came by and uh, I had 
had some a little trouble going on COs, so I left the, the prison. So then the uh, director called me and said, Dave, please come back because the guys won't do anything. They won't, they won't do anything. They said they're not going to do anything. So, so I said, okay, I'm coming back for the guys. I'm coming back because I left wrong. I shouldn't have left with an attitude the way I did. It was a bad example. So I went back. But prior to me going back, he called me. We'll call his name Joey. He called me and he says, hey, Pastor Dave, I heard you're going back in. I said, yeah, Joey, I'm going to go back and help the guys. He said, okay, everything's taken care of. The coast was clear. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, in that community, he had clout. You know what I mean? People yeah. people knew if Joey said something, that's it. So I yeah. had free, free front of all the prison to go in, even with the women, to go in there and, and, and just encourage them and coach them and let them know that there's more in them than this. You know, this was a mistake. They're not a mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Did you, when you first started working in there, was it a little bit intimidating, the environment? Was it something you had to get used to, or did you just take to it straight away? Yeah, well, I had a lot of friends and family in there, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you were going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them knew me already, so, you know. It's because I used to run with them, but see, when I received Christ, my life changed. And yep. so now they watched me for years and they saw that it wasn't a joke with me because they knew even in the streets, I was for real. You know what I mean? If, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I didn't play. It's either cook or get out the kitchen. If you owe me money, pay me or something going to happen. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so it was like that. But that same fire I took with me when I got saved and used it for good, flipped it around. Oh. Yeah, so no. when I started going in, even even the uh, administration looked kind of like, Dave, uh, how many people you know in here? <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. So yeah. I was educating you were visiting some uh, brothers you already knew in there. <laughs> and then I, I gave the job up because uh, I went to a Christian reentry program. And I gave it up to this friend of mine who was a pastor looking for work. So when he went in, he wasn't too familiar with it, you know? And uh, right. would go in, and usually, you know, you'd go in a certain room with maybe 20 guys or something to teach them. And uh, he would leave the door open and put his chair there so the door wouldn't close. <laughs> and so when I went in, they, they said, hey, Pastor Dave. I said, what's up? He said, what's the matter with your boy? He's scared, huh? <laughs> I, I told him no guys would bother him. Well, you know, it was, it was, it was great. He's still there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good to hear he's still there. And hopefully he, he, keeps, he can keep the door shut these days. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine though, you know, if if you're not used to uh that that type of environment, those type of people, it could be a little bit intimidating for you going in there. And and you gotta command the space, right? You gotta you gotta command the space and own the space. Otherwise, you know, you might lose the attention of the guys in there. They might not if they're not gonna dial into you and, and like you touched on earlier, you, you know, trust you, then mm -hmm. you're gonna find it pretty hard to work with them and inspire them to get to get moving and get doing stuff and right it really really matter change. Basically, all they got is time in there. So when you come in, it's almost like changing the channel on TV. They they know what you wore yesterday, today, <laughs> everything. You know, they know everything about you. But I yeah. love them. I love them. I'm I'm serious. I love them. And matter of fact, I had a problem. The reason I left there was because the director said to me somebody complained about proselytizing. And I don't do that. I've been in this too long. I don't try to 
pull people into the kingdom. And so he told me if I didn't slow down that he was going to take my hours or something. I said, let me tell you something. There's no switch on my neck. This is who mm-hmm. I am. You can't, you don't shut this off. You know, I'm a kingdom mm-hmm. believer. That's who I am. Matter of fact, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to train somebody for you. So I did. And then I volunteered and went back in and just taught out of the chapel and all the guys came down there. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. I love it. I love it. How you kept, you did what you said you were going to do. You know, you can only be you. You can't be anyone else. You, you can get caught up sometimes trying to be someone else. I know I've done that. Maybe you've done that too, but that just leads to disappointment, you know, really, and and, and, and unhappiness at scale, I find, because you get to one point one day and you think, you know, you start losing direction of who you are if you're trying to be not who you who you really truly are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better to be a great original than a cheap copy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Too many people, they try to imitate, even in the music business or whatever, in preaching, some people want to be Bishop Jakes, and he is my bishop, matter of fact, and I've spoken at the Potter's House. But, uh, you know, people trying to be and imitate and wear the same clothes, and you can't do that. That's not how you make it. Even in the speaking industry, you've got to have your own voice. You know, you've got to be who you are, see? Like yeah. uh, Michael Jackson, Joe Cocker, uh, James Brown, they were all different. You know, they were themselves and they made it big because they didn't try to be somebody else. You know? Very important, your uniqueness. And what, like yeah. what you're doing. It's so wonderful. You know, I just enjoy, I enjoy your accent. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I'm pleased that you do. I'm pleased that you do. The Australians love an English accent. Well, actually, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes, some places you go, they're like, yeah, I love your accent. Some people just can't understand you, but I just got to keep being me. I can't be anyone else, like we just said. That's yeah. Right. I'd like to talk to you about self-confidence and, and self-esteem. Mm. You know, when you're at that young age, perhaps that was something you didn't have much of, and, and once you learn the value of it, you know, you certainly need... I think a, a good degree of self-esteem and self-confidence to be on a stage and to be able to speak to others at scale and be able to put your message out there. Mm-hmm. But you must have you must have had some kind of self self-confidence and self-esteem performing from what you did in the music world. Did that kind of transfer over to the speaking world, or did you have to build it up again? No, no. It's because even before I left school, we were in the battle of the bands. You know, we yeah. Was- and then the guy of the vida and <laughs> doing all that stuff. <laughs> right? We were doing all. So I always been on stage before I even moved to the suburbs. Me and my friends had a little band and we would carry the drums down the street downtown because my uncles had a big reputation. And so they got us a job at this, this bar room. Nobody showed up and we only knew four songs, but we went and we did it. <laughs> so <laughs> confidence just because of my family, they were bad. They, you know, the same family, one uncle built most of the city, all the schools, he did all the architecture work. In the same family, I had another uncle that was basically mafia. So, you know, I had the, the, the whole spectrum covered. So I grew up with a lot of confidence, but, you know, I, I the thing was is that I was almost forced to fill a, a certain reputation for them. You know what I mean? People yeah. expect out of me. And I was like, I don't want, I got a certain age. I said, I don't want to do that no more. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to fight and all. But also, you know, I, I have a black belt. I studied in Seoul, Korea. And uh, when I was about 18, I started studying martial arts because of anger. You know, I was so angry wow. that, you know, I would train six, eight hours a day and got real good, real quick. And my teacher invited me to go to South Korea with him and, uh, and train under the master there. So wow. I 
stood a couple of months and, and learned, couldn't talk to anybody, couldn't even say water. <laughs> and, and he got there, went and visited his family and left me with my instructors, which was good. So I had a lot of confidence there, you know, and I had mm-hmm. a lot of respect in the city, in the streets, and even in uh, in the other environments. Because uh, I always liked people. I always got along with people. I love people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people's person just like me, brother. That's why we're here talking. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's some great value in that um, martial arts you know whatever martial art you choose or whether it's just mixed martial arts it really does i did it when i was younger as well didn't get to, didn't get to a good level at it but i had a go in and then there's certain something definitely to be said for the self-confidence it builds in, in a young man or a young woman to be able to hold your own defend yourself and you will know as well that it teaches you discipline right martial arts it teaches you discipline and when i, I and in, you know, I worked in a lot of juvenile detention centers too, and mm-hmm. uh, these were out in the woods. You know, so I would take the young boys back when I was training. I, I just turned 67, 60, so I'm not kicking high no more. I kick low, fast. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I would take them out in the woods, and I'd get them all lined up, and they they needed a father figure. That's that was the problem. They needed somebody who would who they would listen to, that they would respect. And because I knew the arts, I could get them lined up and I could begin to train them and encourage them and root them on. And, and they would act right. Matter of fact, even them, they would say, hey, Dave, you know, don't worry, we're not going to do anything while on your shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I wouldn't. <laughs> and in, in one of my books, matter of fact, this one here, right? I wrote a story about one of the kids. Now, this was 30 Five years ago, he had been in 15 foster homes when I met him, hmm. little kid, in, out of Boston. And uh, I kept with him. And then once I left that job, about 30 years later, he saw me on TV being interviewed by a New England magazine or something like that. He got in touch with me. And uh, I wrote his, his story in this book because now he's almost a millionaire. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> Confirmation. Fifteen foster homes. That's an awful lot of homes, man. They must have been through been through a bit there. Yeah, he was only fifteen years old when I met him, so he was angry. He was real angry. But mm. he told me, he said, "I watched you." He said, "I watched you to see if you were for real." And like with the juveniles from the inner city, and even in in the prisons, you know, they'll say, "I feel you." In other words, okay, I can feel you. I don't need to hear your words. I can tell. If you're mm-hmm. from, and once you got that established, you're good to go. Even with the kids, I've seen a lot of them change and, and start to do better. Uh, and I lost that job because of Bibles too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, what happened was I was in Boston at, a, at a, a, a youth detention center and I had all the kids again, reading them scripture, explaining a kingdom, not about being a Christian, about being a kingdom citizen. There's a big difference between religion Christian and kingdom citizen. That's why I have it called kingdom mindset development to develop your understanding of the kingdom, <clears throat> you know? Cause really I don't want to get preachy, but when Jesus came, the first thing he said was repent for the kingdom is at hand. He didn't say here I am to save the day, <laughs> you know? He said, no, no, here's why I, I came to be a door for you if you want to come in the kingdom. But anyway, you know, this it's amazing how how love can touch hearts. And that's what it's all about, love. 
and being yourself, being yourself. And I'm too old to be anybody else anyway. A <laughs> <laughs> friend, uh, Cassandra, uh, Dr. K Brown is watching and she said, uh, what's the name of your book? You took it down too quickly to see the title. So hold it up there nice and clearly so we can. Okay. We can see it. This one here, right? So you want to be in the ministry? It's, it's written for people who want to be in ministry, but you got to remember the word ministry really means service. That's all it means. You can get this on Amazon. And if you've got Kindle Unlimited, it's free. So you can get that one there. And, and I also broke them up into curriculum. And uh, this is another one. This one here, I, I'm going to be teaching more. I don't know if I got it there, right? Yeah. What did yeah, you say? This is all about pulpit mannerisms, how to how to handle yourself on on stage and speaking, and what to do, what not to do. Uh, a lot of things that we're learning now, I learned in Bible school, and so I put it all in this book. And again, your words, like for us as public speakers, your words are your tools. So the subtitle is: It's not what you say, but why, when, and how you say it. You see. Mm -hmm. You can tell anybody anything. If you say it right, they're all right with it. <laughs> exactly right. I'll be including some links in the comments to those so everyone can find those easily. Mm. Now, I'd like to talk about, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll give the sizzle, not the steak here. We don't want to give the whole program away, but I know you have a 12-step faith-based counseling and coaching program designed for the mind. So maybe you could tell us a, a little bit more about that. I'd love to know some more about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I call it's a faith-based program. Again, it's kingdom-minded uh, development, uh, and it's let's talk about it. So basically, it's whatever your it is, because I counsel you from the Word of God, and there's nothing that's happened on earth that's not in that book. It's just understanding where to get it and how to relate it to bring the there and then to the here and now, so the principle you grasp a hold of. See, so that's what I, I do with it. I, I, I use it in, a, you know, with my program, I'm also in a management certified. So I deal mm -hmm. with state troopers. They send, you know, the captains send troopers down and things like that and just help them understand that, listen, I'm not trying to get you in church. I'm not trying to make you anything you don't want to be. But in, in, in this kingdom, <clears throat> these things work. Because this is the king of the universe. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords. And so once you get the proper understanding, uh, you're good to go. It's like uh, Miles Monroe. You know, you've heard Brother Les talk about Miles Monroe. Well, I used mm -hmm. to sing him every now and then when he came by. But he, he taught me, he said, Dave, he says, you never talk to people outside of the church about Jesus. You talk to them about the kingdom. Once they come in. Then you talk about Jesus. Just like if you want to come to the United States right now, you wouldn't be so concerned about Trump. <laughs> It'd be like, man, America's a land of good and plenty. I'm going to go there and get what I can. And so, you know, then you learn about Trump. So I always tell people that. Then I always tell people, listen, Jesus, you know, if you know the story and whoever's listening, uh, bear with me. Uh, he shed his blood, which was our passport. It paid the price. So he's really, like he said, the door in the way. He's the passport into this country called heaven. Now, when you come into that country, there's a constitution like London or Australia. If you want to live there, you've got to line up with the constitution before you can get the benefits, right? Right. Right. Before you have a, a, 
access to what the country has to offer. So mm -hmm. again, I teach people from the word of God and just get them straight on it so that they're not running around spooky Christians and religious freaks and all that kind of stuff. Hey Amen. You know, I don't care. I'm from the streets. You know what I mean? I don't care. I'm going to tell it like it is. Okay. And, uh, and so they, they get it and, and they go, wow. Even a lot of Jewish uh, people that I've met and I've talked to, when I explain it to them, that they, oh yeah, I get it, I get it. They're not offended because this is the truth. So, you know, the program's a good program. I call it 12 steps because there was 12 disciples and there's 12 gates in Jerusalem <laughs> and, and there's 12 step programs everywhere. So everybody knows about it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. And it's interesting. I do like the way you deliver it, Dave, because I'll, I'll say openly, you know, I'm not a religious man. I'm a, I'm a spiritual guy. I'm a man of, the, man of the universe. That's that's what I believe and that's what I subscribe to. But I think it's great that you can deliver your message in a way that doesn't have to always directly attach to to to, to Jesus and Christ and to God, and but still you know, give the message. And, and to that end, you know, the, the Bible, I, I've never read the Bible cover to cover, but I do hear, I hear things that people that say out the Bible extracts now and again, scripture as it's known, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, that makes sense to me because it doesn't always have to directly relate to, to the religion and the religious path. It's a lot of the, the things in there. It's that's why people call it. And Les calls it the book of life, right? Cause it's essentially a book yeah. about many of the things that happen in, yeah. in in you in like in people's lives right that's mm. it and if people want you know i just invite people if they want to come fine if they don't want to come that's fine you know i'm going to love you and pray anyway you know yeah. but like, yeah. you, you haven't read the bible i've read probably i have 18 bibles that i've read from the table of contents to the book of maps <laughs> and highlight because <laughs> this is who i am i'm a kingdom citizen and you know there's certain instructions in the book that tell us that we're peculiar people, that we're visiting this planet. We're not here forever. None of us are really, but uh, things like that. I, I really, I'm sold out. I'm, I'm just sold out. Like when I got with John, I would less, there was no payment plan. It's like, here, <laughs> I'm all in. I'm going to learn. I trust you because I can feel your heart. And, and I love all you guys. Everybody is so encouraging and exciting. And because of y'all, you, you listen, I got a grandson, 33 years old. I got grandbaby, great grandbabies. <laughs> so when I watch you all, I get excited for you. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Go for it. Well, I'm only a year younger than uh, a year younger than your grandson there. So yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I wanna I wanna I wanna close it with uh, if you could give uh, three three pieces of advice and you don't have to stop at three you know you're a speaker go go for as long as you like there but you know some advice that's really talking to young men out there today and, and young women of course as well that maybe have dropped out or maybe thinking about dropping out or have just lost their direction and their purpose mm -hmm. yeah well the first thing i would say is don't quit don't quit because you're going to get your social structure together at least through high school you know and then I would say, once you leave school, if you want to go to college, fine. But I would, if I were you, pursue your passion. <clears throat> now you know how to talk, you know how to communicate, things like that. So now go after that dream that's inside of you, that, that thing that God put there, that gift that you have, that thing that won't ever leave you, that, that's always in your face. Uh, like with me, with my guitar, I've taken it everywhere with me. I've been a merchant seaman, took it all over the world and my, on the ships and things like that there, because I love it and would play 
for no money like I do, right? So I would tell them, don't quit school. And next thing I would say is always be yourself. Don't give in to the bullies. Don't give in to people trying to pressure you. You know, be who you are. Be proud of yourself because you are special. You are individual and you are gifted. And I would encourage them like that. And the girls, I would tell them, listen, you got you to gotta be careful now because, uh, you know, I say boys are funny. You know what I mean? They're not like you. Boys are like hit it and split it. You know, when, when you get emotionally involved, you don't want anybody to mess up your heart at a young age. And again, I have great grandchildren. So, you know, I started young and my oldest daughter, who's 45 and just graduated out of Harvard with a doctor's degree, she started young too. <laughs> but so to encourage them to, to you know, be themselves, you know, uh, pursue their passion, pursue their dream, get around people who will encourage you like Miss Morris did for me and, and uh, Dr. Axtell, they saw something in me and I put myself in a situation where I would not be the smartest person in my circle. You know what I mean? And I mm -hmm. went in, into into things where I would have to learn. And, and your attitude will determine your altitude in life. You've got to have the right attitude. So you have to make sure you're, you're around, what's, what's less calm? Uh, OQP, only quality okay. people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John, when John talks about, John talks about the committee. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think if they do that and, and they stick with their heart, they follow their heart. As long as it's good and positive, they're going to be all right. The money will come. That's not even. It's just ink on paper. That'll come if you're doing what's right. You're happy and, and you're helping other people. See, that's the key. The whole motive is: Are you helping people? So I would really encourage them to do that. Don't be selfish. Be selfless. You'll be all right. You'll be taken care of. You know, so things like that. And if they ever need me, call me. I give them my card, tell them call. See, when I had my church in the city, I just sold the building not too long ago. But I built an apartment in the city, in the hood. So there was people coming by at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, banging on my windows. But I would open the door always and help them, you see. And that's what it's all about. We're in this business of public speaking to encourage people, to help them. And I would encourage these kids the same way. And, and go when I go into the schools and just first thing I do is I apologize for my generation because it was my generation, the 60s and early 70s that were crazy and we didn't care about nothing. We were having babies like there was candy and just leaving and running around and what you want to do. And then the generations that followed, you know, they bore the brunt of it. So I go in and I tell them, please apologize. I, I'm sorry for my generation, your father, your grandfather, what they didn't do. You know, it was this kind of time and please accept my apology for them. And they're kind of all right with it. You know, I also have a ministry for 30 years in Boston called Freedom Ministries, where we transport mothers mainly of incarcerated youth all over Massachusetts for free. And uh, that's because they need to be connected to their family and their mom. So um, kids out there are good. They just need, need somebody that will love on them and somebody they can respect. Yeah, yeah, I agree more. Just a, a good role model, right? A solid role model. Um, you know, a lot of people in the world, unfortunately, don't grow up with with one. But um, for, you know, being that person who can provide, as as you have to probably, well, not I don't need to say probably. I know you have to so many young people, and uh, yeah, to that end, just thank you for your service, Dave. I really, really appreciate what you do. You know, I don't live over there in America, but uh, 
it's inspiring to see what you do. And part, part of the thing that I want to do in speaking is actually speak to the youth as well. You know, they're 40% of our population, but 100% of our future. And one day, you know, one day no one is forever when you're gone. How's the how's legacy going to live on? If, you, if you're speaking to the youth, you know, they're going to carry that, carry that message on. So I think it's everyone's important to speak to and, and, and everyone's important that they're heard. But I think the youth more than anything are, are the ones who really need to be need need to be heard number one and need to hear the the good positive messages and have good role models number two. That's right. That's right. They go through a lot. You know, the peer pressure in junior high school and high school is horrendous for some. And I was always the kind that protected the underdog. So usually when I got in trouble and fighting, it was because I was protecting the fat kid with the glasses or somebody that Sorry. I was in front of. You know, that was me. Right. That was and me. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Jake, because you can touch the hearts of a lot of young people. You know, they're, they're looking for like an avenue like this where they can express themselves and be encouraged. You're going to touch a lot of lives because you care and you're out there now. You know what I mean? With the podcast, you're out there. They're going to be listening and watching. Yeah, yeah. I thank you for this opportunity because, you know, the way I am, it's not, you know, for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> put it that way and, and i get it you know it's all right but like like i said there's no switch on my neck this is who i am and god's taking good care of me had a liver transplant heart attacks i've been through a lot bro wow but god yeah, been- well, you know as i say david real recognizes real right and uh, there's no, no no surprise that you are here and and i was always looking forward to getting you on ever since we first talked about it, it took a while to it to happen and i'm glad it did happen and uh I'd love to have you on again at some point. Yeah, I really appreciate your invitation, and I pray that everybody out there has uh, heard something they can use to help somebody else. Yeah, I'm sure they have. Dr. David, I'm going to drop your website in the comments here, drdavidspencer.com. Is that the best place everyone can find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. The website's up. It's being worked on a little, but it's up there. And uh yeah, that's the best place. Uh, and, and on the website, my phone number's there because I'm kind of old school, you know, this computer stuff. <laughs> you can call me, you know, uh, or something. But, uh, yeah, I'm available. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready to do a podcast with uh, from uh, Champion Mindset. Four of us are getting together that deal with youth, and we want to do a, a, a webinar to principals and schools, you know, to kids that are at home. Because it's easy to drop out when you're at home now. You know, that's, you know, they can just shut you off. Mm. Mm. I didn't even think about that. That's that's a really good point, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been great to have you on, sir. I look forward to uh, catching up with you soon inside inside our groups together. All right, my brother Jake. Thank you again, and God bless you. I'm praying for you. (laughs) Take care. Okay, bye bye.